Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Father, we thank you today for this day once more. Thank you that we could be here. Pray that you'd be with, with uh, Sandy and the boys as they do Sunday school. Father, I pray you'd touch and bless and minister in that little Sunday school room for them and anoint Sandy to teach them and the boys to listen and learn and the things would go and set root in their hearts and bless their time together and bless our time together as we look into your word. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Good morning. We're going to be finishing up the book of Habakkuk today. Uh, if you would like to see, if you've not been here for the other first two sermons about this, they are on YouTube under Stepping Stones of Faith on the YouTube channel. And they are also on Facebook. They're on the Facebook uh, group, Claytonville United Brethren Church on Facebook. So join that group if you want to see those. I put them out regularly. Um, we are in Habakkuk chapter 3, page number 810 in the Red Bible. And this was Habakkuk's prayer. We know in, from, from the other two chapters that Habakkuk was in a question and answer kind of session with God. And in that time, he was questioning God and getting answers. And now in this chapter, he is seeking and pleading for revival. Starting in verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk, like I said, we, we know from the last two chapters, he was questioning God, getting answers. And we know that in that time of questioning God, we can, we can receive answers from God. We can, we can learn and grow in God. He says, he says, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Habakkuk simply prayed for revival. And when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, do we pray for revival in today's day and age? Do we pray for revival that's what our country needs. Holy men and women that stand in the gap for our society, whether it be in the United States or around the world, for revival for God to move. He was simply praying for revival. He knew how, how once God worked in an, and how his people once responded, and Habakkuk wanted to see that again. We know that. We read about it. We've, we've read about the Brownsville Revival. We've read about the uh, uh, Azusa Street and how all God moved in, in days past. 
Don't we desire to see that again? Don't we desire to see God move? I do. This prayer shows us that revival is the work of God, not the achievement of man. There is something man can and must do for revival. Simply cry out to God and plead for his reviving work. One thing that I have an issue with, I take issue with, is these people in these churches that say, come to our church August 15th, August through 20, 25th or 28th or whatever it is. We're going to have revival services. No, you're not. You're going to have rejuvenation services. Those are not revival services. Revival services happen spontaneously by the work of God. That's how revivals happen. And revivals happen predominantly through this right here. It starts with you first. It starts with me first. When we get revived in our own spirit, we then cannot contain it, and we have to talk to people about it, and we have to tell people about the Lord, and then those people catch fire, and they can't do the same thing, and they can't hold it in, and pretty soon, that's how revival happens. It's not a scheduled event. You know, June 5th through the 17th, we're going to have revival services in our church, so come out and see what God's going to do. God doesn't work on our schedule. We're to work on God's schedule. So this revival only comes by the work of God. He says, revive your work. Shouldn't our prayer shall often be, revive my work? But we must have a heart and mind for God's work. You know, we must have a heart and mind for God's work and not for our own. God, I'm going to do this, bless it. I'm going to go here and talk to this person, bless that time. But what about what God's work is? What about what God says? Does God say, go and speak to that person? Does God say, go and do this work? If he doesn't tell you to do it, don't simply do it and say, God, bless it. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he'll say, this is not what I told you to do. We must have a mind and a heart for God's work far bigger than a portion of it. I wrote here, Spur, put this thing from Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, love Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, shake off all the bitterness of everything that has to do with self or with party and now pray, Lord, revive thy work and if thy work happen to be more in one branch of the church than in another, Lord, give that the most reviving. Give us all the blessing, but do let thine own purposes be accomplished and thine own glory come, come of it, and we shall be well content, though we should be forgotten and unknown. You see, it's not about me. Revival is not about me. Revival is not about you. Revival is about God. And we are to stand in the gap and have that mentality that God revive your work even if I am not remembered for it. If even if I'm not remembered for praying, God, do your work. Revive us. It must be a personal prayer, too, within ourselves. Lord, revive me. 
Revive me. How many people, how many of us need God to revive us? You say, I, we also said this, I wrote this down. We too often blame the church for sin, corruption, laziness, prayer, prayerlessness, lack of spiritual power, or whatever. And we forget that we are the church. Pray for personal revival and diligently search yourself. Diligently search ourselves. Pray for personal revival. Let's, let's look at some things. Three things we're going to look at. Conduct. Check your conduct. Does your work glorify the Lord as it should? How about your private conduct, which only the Lord sees? When nobody's looking, when the doors are closed in your house and the shades are drawn for the night, how do you react and how do you act? Check your conduct. Check your conversation. Is your speech profane or, or impure? Do you talk about Jesus with others? So how do we talk? And what is the context of our conversation? Do we talk about Jesus? Do we share Jesus? Or do we have words that come out of our mouth that shouldn't? Check your prayer life. Are you living a growing, abiding life with Jesus? Is your prayer life causing you to grow? Is your prayer life causing you to, to desire more things of God? We need to check that within ourselves. Habakkuk says in one portion, he says, In the midst of the years, make it known. Habakkuk longed for God to do a work that was evident to everyone as a work of God. In other words, nobody could boast that they did it themselves, but it was a work of God. He prayed that revival would be known as a definite time and place in the midst of the years, not just as an idea in someone's head. So revival, if it was going to happen, it had to happen by God's design, not our own making. In other words, don't come to, come to our church from this date to this date for revival services. But it had to happen the way God wanted it to happen so that nobody could boast and say, look what I did. And it had to be known in a specific time. That's not, that's, that, that is to say, let's, not, let, let's have revival someday. We should be actively praying, God, start with me to make revival. And then when God makes that known to us, we should be starting to do those things and revival just happens. And people can see it and they know it's from God and not man-made. Amen? He says, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk prayed, knowing well that they didn't deserve revival. This country, our society, does not deserve revival. Look at our society today. All the things going on, I'm not going to sit here and name things. We know how our society is. We don't deserve revival. Habakkuk, in, in, in Habakkuk's day, they didn't deserve revival. So we should be praying for mercy, just like Habakkuk did. Here's kind of what we should be praying. Lord, I know that we deserve your wrath. But in the midst of your wrath, remember mercy and send revival among us. 
That should be our prayer. Lord, I know, even individually, we, we, we could pray, Lord, I know I don't deserve revival. But Father, remember mercy in your wrath and send revival anyway. Habakkuk goes on and he says in the portion of this particular scripture, remember mercy, he said, and he says sorrowfully, not wishing to be an accuser of the brethren, it does seem to me that considering the responsibilities which were laid upon us and the means of which God has given us, the church generally, there our blessed exceptions, has done so little for Christ that if Ichabod were written right across its brow and it were banished from God's house, it would have, it would, it would have its deserts. We cannot therefore appeal to merit. It must be mercy. Charles Spurgeon said that. We must appeal to mercy, not merit, because we don't deserve it. I remember one time I was in a job and I asked, How, what's the raise schedule? What's the raise schedule? How do they give raises? It's 90 days within once a year. And I was told that they give merit raises. <clears throat> Merit raises. So I said, oh, so, so that means nobody gets raises. Because merit, you can't appeal to merit. You've got to appeal to other things. And with God, we've got to appeal to mercy. You've got to appeal to mercy. Charles Spurgeon continued. He said, oh, God, have mercy upon thy poor church and visit her and revive her. She has but a little strength. She has desired to keep thy word. Oh, refresh her, restore her to thy power, and give her yet to be great in this land. That should be our prayer. Charles Spurgeon saw a great need of revival, and this was back in the 1800s, 300 years ago. Well, 200 years ago. He saw a great need for revival. We need a great need for revival. We have a need. And we ought to be praying for revival. Verse 3 and following down in Habakkuk chapter 3. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. Selah was a musical pause. That's how we know this was a psalm of, in, in a sense. Selah was a musical pause. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. His, he had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways were everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian trembled. O Lord, were you 
displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation. You bow, your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows, Selah. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and trembled. You over, your, the overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hand, hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went. At the shining of your glittering spear you marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people. You For salvation with your anointed. You struck the head of from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck, Selah. You thrust through with his own arrows the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses though the heap of great waters, through the heap of great waters. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. As I read that, I wrote this. As Habakkuk prayed for revival, he began to praise the God who brings revival. In this song of praise, Habakkuk glorified the power and majesty of God. So in our times of displeasure, in our times of anguish, in our times of thinking we are downcast from God, we must praise Him. Someone say, why? Why would I praise God if I feel like I'm being punished? Because God is with you. He is good. He punishes for, his own, for our own good. We all have children in here, right? Did you ever uh, just let your kids do what they wanted? Talk to you the way they wanted? Acted the way they wanted at home or in public? Or did you punish them for things that they shouldn't do? God punishes his people. And in those times, we should be praising God for the goodness of the punishment. God punishes those whom he loves, it says. So we should be praising God because he loves us. He loves us. It's good to praise God because it gives us honor and glory, because it gives appropriate honor and glory to God in every situation. When we're being, um, when we are being punished, we need to praise God because it gives appropriate honor and glory. He is our Father, and we should praise Him because He loves us. That's why He's punishing us. So He deserves appropriate honor and glory. It declares God's specific works when we praise God. It teaches us to remind and reminds us of God and in and, and who God is and what He has done when we praise God. 
when we do when we pray here we always praise God for what he's done in the people's lives that are in the prayer in the praise part of the list because we are praising God for what he has done in our lives it's hard to not be angry with someone when you think about what they've done for you praising God also places man in proper perspective under God we need to realize that we are not the head God is the head we are the body it builds confidence in the power and works of God when we praise God it builds confidence in that we are confident when we praise God because he's done so much for us. We are confident that he will do more and that he will continue to work and we become confident in his works. Another part of the scripture that we want to look at. It says, you went forth for the salvation of, the, of your people, for salvation with your anointed. Habakkuk remembered how God had saved in the past. It made him full of faith for what God could, could do in the present and in the future. He also declared the salvation, that salvation is brought in your anointed. Now understand, anointed in the scriptures is capitalized. Who is that? Salvation is brought through your anointed. Who is the anointed one? He is giving us a prophetic look in the future to Jesus Christ. Salvation is brought through Jesus Christ, the anointed one. The Lord's anointed is none other than the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Verses 16 through 18. When I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the oil uh, the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. In our times of lack and in our times of trouble, what are we to do? We are to praise God. We are to praise him. Habakkuk showed the proper response of man under the sovereign power of God. He recognized his own weakness and low standing before, his God, before this God and all majesty and power. He acknowledged, as we should, our own weakness. We talked this morning in Sunday school 
And in Sunday school, we talked about how it said in 1 Corinthians that God's wisdom, God's foolishness is greater than our wisdom, and God's weakest weakness is greater than our greatest strength. We need to remember our place before God. We have low standing before this God of all majesty and power. We have to remember that. The scripture said he will invade with his troops. Habakkuk remembered that the Babylonians were coming and that this God is sovereign, of, of sovereign power and majesty will direct their work against Judah. He understood that judgment was coming and it was ordered by God. Why? Because, as we said before, because of their desire to not walk with God. So when we desire not to walk with God, what happens? Judgment comes before us, and God orchestrates it. Why does God orchestrate it? Why did God go against Judah with the Babylonians? Why did God use them? He used them to draw him back to themselves, draw themselves back to him. That's why. Why does God punish us? Why does God put us in a place of punishment, in a place of judgment, so that we are drawn back to him? We see our folly, we see our error, and we run back to God. That's why he did it in the, in the book of Exodus and Judges, or Exodus and Joshua and all those. Because he wanted them to run back to him. And he does it for us today. That's why he punishes us today. He wants us to run back to him. Another part of the scripture, he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk saw, in almost in like a vision, it was almost like a vision here, Habakkuk saw the Judean countryside desolate, perhaps from the invasion of the Babylonian army, or perhaps of natural calamity, in the midst of all of that, what's Habakkuk's response? It's almost complete loss of property, complete loss of livelihood, complete loss. What does he do? He says, I will rejoice in the Lord. He will rejoice in the Lord. You see how this parallels 2021, 2022, it's, or what year is this? 2023. You see how this parallels this. In our lives, in our times of calamity, that's a 50 cent word, but in our times of trial, in our times of testing, we recognize, when we recognize our lowly state, before God, we realize and we remember the good things he's done. And even in our calamity, we can rejoice in God. And we should rejoice in God. Habakkuk knew that this God of majesty and power is not diminished because, of man's fa because man faces trials. 
Sometimes we think, if God is so great and powerful, how come I am going through this hard time? That's like that same question. Why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. I don't know. But you can trust in the Lord and he'll bring you through. Habakkuk knew this was the wrong question and the wrong attitude. Instead, he said, I know you are strong and mighty. And if we are in desolate circumstances, it is because we deserve it. I will praise you still and even rejoice in you. He recognized they're in the way, they're doing what they're doing, they're receiving what they're receiving because they deserve it. Now, I remember when I was younger, probably some of you too, you know, when you get punished, be, take it like a man. Own, own your mistakes and take your lumps. We say that all the time. Realize that when we are going through something, it might just be because we deserve it. Judah deserved it. Habakkuk understood that Judah deserved it. And even though they deserved it, he was not going to turn his back on God and say, well, you know what, God, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Heck with you, I'm going my own way. No, he didn't say that. He said, even in that, I am going to rejoice in you. Habakkuk said, rejoice in the Lord. Joy in the God of my salvation. With desolate circumstances, like he just described, Habakkuk could find no joy in the fig tree or in the vines or in the fields or flock. Yet God was unchanged. He could still rejoice in the Lord because God is unchanging. His love is still there. His peace is still there. His joy is still there. He might be punishing, but we can rejoice in him. Because number one, if we deserve it, we need to recognize, I deserve this. I deserve this. Remember, I, I remember in, in counseling all my life, one of the things we were taught, probably you remember this too, one st first step to reminding of real, 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 realizing there's a problem is to, is to call it out to name it. The first step to solving a problem is to realizing that there is one. And the problem here, Habakkuk was saying, was they deserved what God was giving them. Why? Because of their disobedience against God. Habakkuk didn't practice positive thinking and shut out the idea of the barren fig tree and the empty cattle stalls. Instead, he saw those problems for what they were and remembered that God was greater than all of them. So what problems are you facing today? Just think about that. Do you realize that God is greater than all of your problems? Do you realize that God is greater than the greatest, hardest circumstance you'll ever go through? God is greater than that. That's what we need to realize. God is greater than our worst circumstances.
Benjamin Franklin was a Christian. Did you know that? Oh, no, he was not a Christian. I, missed my, I misspoke my own, my own writing. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, who was not a Christian, though he had great respect for the Bible, used Habakkuk 3, 17 or 19, to confound a group of sophisticated, cultured despisers of the Bible. When he was in Paris, he heard this group mocking the Bible and mocking, and mocking Franklin for his admiration for it. One evening he came among them and said that he admired his that his admiration or that he had a manuscript containing an ancient poem that he was quite impressed by. The poem and he wanted to read it to them. When he read Habakkuk three, seventeen through nineteen, his listeners received it with praise and admiration. What a magnificent poem! they said, and wanted to know where they could get copies. Franklin told them to just look at Habakkuk chapter 3. It's in the scripture. You're making fun of the Bible. You like the poem? It's in the scripture. Habakkuk chapter 3. Verse 19. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills. To the chief musician with stringed instruments. The Lord is our strength. Habakkuk understood that. Habakkuk could only properly declare this after he prayed the prayer of faith in the previous verses. He rightly declared that his strength was not of fig trees or vines or flocks. Our strength is not what we have. Our stature in the community is in, and not in what we have, but it's in the Lord. Do you know some of the richest people are people that have nothing except the Lord? Why do you think Revival happens in third world countries. Why do you think healings happen in third world countries like Africa and all these other areas? Because they have nothing. And when they're given Jesus Christ, he is everything. They are, all of what they have is found in him. All of their strengths, all of their things are found in Jesus Christ. He is their Lord. He is their God. And God moves in miraculous ways in those countries because that's all they have is Jesus Christ. What about us? What do we have? Let's name a few. We have cars. We have motorcycles. We have microwave ovens. We have dishwashers. We have social media. We have television. We have internet. We, have, we don't need God. We have self-help books. We don't need the Bible. We have our own idiosyncrasies and our own thought patterns. We don't need to trust God. We do it ourselves. We believe in ourselves. We are our own God. That's America in the 21st century. 
in any country that views that way. We wonder why God doesn't move in revival. We wonder why God doesn't move in healing people because of this nation and because of countries and societies that put everything before God. And we wonder, our identity as a whole in our society is hinged on what we have. We are who we, we are a people of what we have, who we identify with as who we have voted for in the previous election. We are identified on what we do and what we have, not on our God. And we wonder why God does not move. Because our actions declare that we do not need him. That's why God does not move. I pray that in all of this, we realize as a group and as individuals that we need God. I hope we realize that we need God. We don't put our trust in the things that we have or things that we can do, but we put our trust in God. I wrote a little thing here that says, I'm, we might even say that what we praise is our strength. Amen? That's what we do. If by his words, life or heart, a man lives to praise his own achievements and resources, that those are his strength. If by words, life or heart, one praises a, a person or an idea, then those are his strength. We demonstrate that the Lord God is our strength when we praise him. We are not to put our identity, we are not to praise, we are not to do those things in what we have, our strengths and our achievements and our resources. We are not to do that. We are to have our strength in the Lord, our boasting in the Lord. The last part of this verse, he says, he will make my feet like deer's feet. Habakkuk thought about deer running about on the high hills, never losing a step and never falling. More than that, the deer positively dance and leap on the hills. They are full of life and joy. So Habakkuk proclaimed, God will set my steps that firmly and lively also. As I trust in him, he will not allow me to slip or fall, and I will do more than merely plod along. I will skip about with, with life and joy. With God, we can have those things. What, what does it say about God? It says that in God we have peace and joy and in Christ there's liberty. Nothing holding us down, nothing holding us back, but God gives us freedom. And in that freedom, he gives us a surety of where we're walking, a surety of our steps so that we will not fall, so we will not fail, so we will not stumble. So what about us? Where are we today?
Where am I today? Am I like that, like Judah in this day? Do I think of only the things I've accomplished, the things that I've done? Do you think of only the things you've accomplished, the things you've done, and think that God blesses the things that you've done because you've done them and it was your decision and you didn't consult God, but God bless them anyway? That's not how it works. God wants us to rejoice in Him, in His works. Even in our times of despair, He is there. He's walking with us. So that's your assignment for this week. Search your hearts. Get into your Bible. Read it. Enjoy it. Spend time with God. Search your hearts and ask God, where is my allegiance? Where is my allegiance? Do I, do I put myself before you? Do I put things in my life before you? Do I put those social media apps and do I put my work ethic and do I put all these things before you? And if that's the case, then we need to repent and we need to ask God to forgive us and we need to ask God to minister to us that we would be better than we were. That's what God would want. God would want us to do that. Amen. So that's your assignment. Look to Jesus. Search your heart. Ask him, am I doing all that you want me to do, Lord? Am I putting you first? If you're not putting him first, then there's things you have to think about. Amen. There's things we have to do, things we have to adjust in our lives to put God first. Let's go before the Lord. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Bless our time. Bless, Lord, the rest of our week. Guide our hearts. Guide our thoughts. Guide our motivations and our actions. Help us to put you first. Help us to put you before anything else. And Lord, we thank you for that. Be with us this week. Help us to search our hearts in a, in a greater way. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.